everyone can do something. Um, I'm not going to go very far today with this because um, there's other things I want to talk about in the, in the upcoming weeks that, that pertain to this, but also piggyback off what Harold said when he was here. Um, and I hope that we, I hope that through this series, you've been able to see something that you didn't see before. You've been able to see that things are connected and to, to um, piggyback off of Harold from last week and even from the symposium, things that he shared there. The church, the body of Christ, is the largest subculture on the planet. We outnumber any other subculture on the planet. I hope that through the video series you get the feel that not only is the body of Christ the largest subculture on the planet, as has been demonstrated, we, the body, are actively involved in changing the world. And the world is a better place because the body of Christ is here, as opposed to the voices, especially in this country, that say all the church does is, is make things worse. The world's always better if you get religion out of it. Religion is what's divisive. Religion is what creates all the problems. Uh, you religious people, you're all holier than thou, and you argue with each other, you criticize each other, and they, they, they paint a different picture. The problem is the picture is a lie. Now, I think as the church, we need to be bold enough to own our mistakes. Yeah. If we don't own our mistakes, then we lose our voice. But if we own our mistakes, and we correct our mistakes, now we're walking in true repentance and our voice is stronger than it's ever been. So I, I, I just uh, was looking at this article yesterday. I read through it. I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole article for you because it's very long. Um, but the, um, the UN has just put out a list of the... Um, the 20 areas where mass killings are happening around the world right now. And what they do, they start, Myanmar is, is the, leading, the, leading the pack right now, and then it goes down through 20 other countries and locations where genocidal type of killing is taking place, where um, you know, civil war is going on. And of course, in all those places, the people that are most affected are the innocent people that just live in a village and you got an army over here and an army over here, and they decide they want to fight in your village, then they're, they're the ones that suffer the most. And a lot of these places are also what is feeding human trafficking, to, to, to go along with what Dawn already said, because armies fighting need money. And human trafficking is one of the fastest ways, along with drugs, to generate income so you can keep fighting. But when I walk, look through the 20 areas right now, the UN is saying the, these are the areas where mass killings are happening today and every day at this point. All of the areas, minus one, are in areas where there's no Christian um, effect on the society 
at this point. So where the gospel is absent, evil pervades. So the role of the church, be, you know, it's a, it's a, I, I like the end of this video where it says, you know, we, we have to understand the complexity of the problem we're trying to solve. In one of the earlier uh, videos, they, they told the story of the egg farmer and how a church came in and meant well and all good hearts, but basically put the egg farmer out of business. But then in a year, the church had moved on to do some other charitable work. And now the place where they were was worse off because the church didn't take the time to actually go and listen as I can't even pronounce the gentleman's name, but the guy with that nice looking kind of purple shirt. Um, what was that? No, the other guy with, that had to also the round, the, the gold cross. I, uh, he's been on several of these videos. But just the idea that um, the, these situations are complex, so we have, to, we have to develop strategies that are kingdom strategies that we've thought, taken the time to think through what's the effect of what we do. Instead of just move on, an, just at an emotional level, I'm, a, I'm emotionally moved, okay, that was horrible, I hardly could stand to see it, yeah, I, I'm, I'll do this. But we can't move emotionally. My emotions can be something that undergird me, but they can't be the thing that directs me. At that point, and I, at that point, I need the collaboration of others. So, I forget who said it, but we, we are the mind of Christ. I, I don't possess in, 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 um, I don't, I don't possess in an, uh, in a, in a functional way. That's not even the right word, but I don't, I, I can't possess all the mind of Christ without you, nor can you without me. It, it's when we come together, when there's that, there's that, as Malachi says, when we come together and we talk and we start let, releasing what's happening in our heart and then God draws near and starts writing down our ideas. Yeah, it's a collaboration. So God is recording, but also the angels are. When we show up, there's going to be more, more than just you collaborating. We're showing up because we're mindful of what's been written. We're mindful of, of the notes that have been taken while you talked. Because what ta when you talked, what came out of that was the mind of Christ being released on the earth to make an impact that the kingdom advance. And so we're at this place where we, we have to see that the gospel the gospel first touches me personally, but once it's touched me personally, the transformation that the gospel brings is me now being sent into the world to release the, what I've been called to release, for you to release what you've been called to release. And it's not a, um, you know, we're, we're not battling against each other, we're actually working with each other. We get to experience the synergy that comes out of ordinary people 
moving forward with an idea that starts to impact things. The, the thing that Dawn's going to be sharing more about with Tommy Green. At some point, that went from a couple people talking and the Lord listening in and saying, uh, okay, angels, get ready, to then, well, we need money. So they started talking about money. And so money started to come in. But then with that, then the, it starts to get a, a root. And I, the, the, uh, the numbers that, that were on the slide that we showed of the different things that they're accomplishing already. And what does it look like then if, well, this number of people all agree to give 25 bucks a month and they actually do that? Now we have a baseline, and that's, that's a tangible baseline that we can work off of and we can increase. You know, it's, um, we can't take out, we can't take the, the um, we can't take the issue of finances out of the equation and dismiss it that to talk about money is not spiritual, to talk about money means we don't have great or don't have faith. No, we can't take finances out of it. Finances are integral in it. You can't, I mean, most stuff that we're going to do, it is going to require batteries. <laughs> Speaking of batteries, I just bought a battery for my trimmer this week, 179 bucks for a battery. They tell me it's real powerful. But I have to keep plugging it in, so... I'll let you know, but anyway. How about that? Now that's faith. <laughs> he took my mic because he said this one's going to work. So we, we, we can't separate finances out of it. We can't be at this place where somehow we relegate money, the, the managing of money, the use of money, as that somehow is not... Um, that's, that's worldly and it's not spiritual when scripture tells us all over the place that finances, developing of finances, developing of resources, developing of wealth is scriptural, it is spiritual, it is part of the experience because we need that to move forward to do the things we're going to do. Um, and, and for me, the, the generosity... Um, and I'm not getting ready to take the offering, but I will in a minute, but this ties into that. <laughs> that generosity, you know, it does start at home. Home, here. It's, it's where we generously sow because we, we know that we're sowing towards something that's bigger than ourselves. It's sowing towards something that gives us the ability to make changes, to have an effect, to do things that on my own I can't do. But together... We, do, we can do it. Um, so, you know, even if we just take this, this property, this isn't a property that's owned by any one in, individual. This is a property that's owned by you. Everything that happens here, this is your property. You, you are part of the ownership of this property. And so we're able to move forward when we give and do give generously and, and, and at a regular basis. Um, and so it is when we're affecting the world around us, when we're going out, um, that, that, that's another place where our generosity um, comes into play. And I, I guess I'm, maybe the question to ask is, 
how often do I talk to God about what that place of generosity looks like? Am I, do I just decide, okay, well, I'm going to give this much money, and I just do it? Well, that can have some effect. But if I'm in a relationship with the Lord, and ultimately he is the owner of it all anyway, what, what conversations do I have with him about what, is, what am I stewarding? How am I stewarding it? If, if, uh, if you bring increase, what, what do I do with that increase? Uh, it's not, and it's not the formula. It's not just, oh, well, you have to do this, or you know, if you don't give exactly 10%, then you know, God isn't going to bless you, or all, all that kind of nonsense. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about our regular funding, our regular finances. Am I talking to God about how I should do it, when I should do it, where I should do it? I mean, if he is the, if he is the owner of it all, and I've been given the task of stewarding, then I think a good steward always checks in with the owner and goes, what do you think about what I'm doing? I mean, I might think I'm doing a really good job, and the owner goes, ah, not, not thrilled right now with what you're doing. You know? Or the owner may come back and say, yeah, I think it's good. Or the owner comes back and says, look, what I'm going to do, I'm getting ready to bring an increase, and this is what I want you to do with the increase. Um, and I... I um, can't remember the exact words of C.S. Lewis, and I'm not even going to try to, to, uh, to, to um, repeat it, but just the idea that when, I'm affected, what I have, when I am affecting someone else, I have the ability to either affect with blessing or to affect with horror, and they're both eternal. So what am I sowing to? You know, when we... When, when the issue of human trafficking, you, you know, for those that say the church needs to stay out of everything and that we, we've just screwed up the whole planet and, and, you know, they give all their reasons in their wokeness of why the church needs to go, it's the church that's driving the war against human trafficking. They've been doing it from the beginning. They were the ones in the trenches. Why? Because we were already working in communities doing charitable work where the trafficking was the most noticeable, we were already there. People were, I mean, 20 years ago, people were raising the flag about human trafficking. But it was the church that was doing that. It was Christian organizations that was doing that. And it's funny, to, well, it's not funny, it's incredibly sad, but um, that when the movie came out, the media has attacked that movie and tried to minimize it and they, how in the world can you find fault with a movie that exposes the horrors of human trafficking and says that it needs to stop? How, where, where can you find disagreement only in that the agenda is so, so set to destroy any place where the church has a voice and is being seen that they'll sacrifice anything? So they don't care about how many lives are dying. How many women are being enslaved, or children, it's not just women, but how many, how many people are being enslaved? They don't really care as long as their agenda is being met. For the church, we should be. Well, what's our agenda? Your kingdom come, yes. your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. That every life is valuable, every life has dignity, every life deserves to have the, the, the chance to flourish. And I get to play some part in helping that. 
And we can't be at a place where we, we begin to feel like, well, the job's just too big. Well, yeah, it's big. But we're not trying to take on the whole Goliath at once. We're going to get a piece here. We're going to get a piece there. And then multiple organizations. And when the armies of heaven show up, the angels aren't going to show up and just fight some unseen in some unseen realm. We don't even know what's going on. They fight some battle. They go, yeah, man, we kick butt. And they all go home. And we're all on earth still living. When the angels show up, what are they doing? They're working through human beings. I mean, that's what Malachi declares. They say, when we show up, we're going to be doing something through those that are, that are bringing forth righteousness. Yep, we're going to be going with you. So we're, we don't go alone. Even the early church, you know, we, they, they, loved, they didn't love their lives, even to the point of laying them down. Knowing that in certain cases, I probably I'm probably not going to come out of this. But I'm also an eternal being. So I am going to come out of this. You know, you, you, you might be able to kill this, but you can't kill me. You can't have me. I've, I'm already spoken for. I'm already held in the hands of the one that will carry me through to the end. And so even in those places, you know, with, like with, uh, with the, the Hebrews in the furnace, you know, they, like God are saying to the people around them, just, just so you understand, you can throw us in this furnace, and that may be the end of us. But who knows? God may do something different, and I come out the other side. We none know. When we go into this, I don't know how it's going to end up. But what I do know is I'm still with him no matter what, and his purposes are going to be accomplished. The church is the largest subculture on the planet. Why are they kicking against us so much, I happen to think they're absolutely petrified that if we figure out who we are, yeah, unity comes, then what's going what's to stop us? The poor, and, and yet, even in the, the disarray that the place we might be in, in places in the church, look what the church is accomplishing. Look at the, the organizations globally that are doing their part to make a change. And we're getting wiser at it. I like the, the guy, that, one of the last ones um, that deals with the orphans and stuff. That's, and where he said, okay, we've made a lot of mistakes. But we've, we've learned through our mistakes. We've sharpened our skills. And the good news is I get to listen to him. And with what I'm doing, I don't have to make the same mistakes he made. I get to take his sharpened skills and apply them to what God's doing with, with our team and move forward faster. So we're all accelerating in what we're able to do. You know, the, the days of, you know, like Hudson Taylor leaving, leaving England, buying a casket and taking with him as he goes to China to start the China Inland Mission knowing that when I leave England, I'll never come back to England again, so I'm taking my casket with me. So when, when I finally die, you can bury me in China because that's where I'm going, and I'm not stopping. You know. He's, he wasn't like some superhuman. He was just an average Englishman who got a heart for China 
and a heart to take the gospel to people that didn't have it. And said, huh, if I get on that boat over there, it's going to take me to China. Well, what are you going to do when you get there? I don't know. Do you speak Chinese? Nope. But I got my casket with me. So at the least, I have a place to sleep tonight. I probably had told this story, but on uh, one of my trips, first trip, I think it was, to Haiti, we were up in the mountains and staying at a cabinet maker's house. And um, he made caskets. And in the room where we were kind of meeting, there was all these caskets leaning against the wall. Now, in Haiti, they like to like put like a heart where the face would be so you could see the person. So they had these different things, but most of them were hearts. A few of them were crosses. And Samuel, who was my translator, we're sitting there. And at that point, we were just sitting on the floor having dinner. We had just arrived. And so we're, I didn't really know what was going on. I said, so Samuel, I said, I think this is where we're going to sleep tonight. I think they got sleeping in here. He goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor Bob. I said, well, if we do, I said, I'm going to sleep in that casket. I really like that one. And he looked at me and he goes, Oh, no, 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 I'm not sleeping in a casket. <laughs> uh, and he didn't. We didn't have to sleep in a casket after all. But I thought it would be a unique experience, you know, to spend the night in the casket with the heart on it. So you can see me smiling in the morning. <laughs> but... We are far more powerful than we're giving the Lord credit for. And it's not power in a self-centered, you know, like go in and militarily take over the world. But we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been endowed with the gifts of the Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit being developed within us. We have been transformed from a self-centered idolater into a kingdom seeker and God chaser to use an old term from, what was his name? Tommy Tenney. Yes, it was. That name just floated back in my head. Oh, Tommy Tenney, God chasers. We've been transformed and our call is to transform the earth. Our view can't be just on What's working for me? What, what's making my life better? What's making me happy? God, God didn't come and, and, and purchase me to develop a, a genie in the bottle relationship where I just get to rub the bottle every time I need something. He's come to have a real relationship with me, walk with me every day, put things in my heart that were not in my heart, and, put other, and bring other things up out of my heart that were actually created in me when I was created. Because he has something for all of us to do. And whether it's just faithfully sowing into something or it's going somewhere, I mean, we can't compare ourselves because each of us have a different call there. So it's not, a, don't ever disqualify yourself because, you know, you know, one person is able to do all of this, and I'm just, I'm just me. You're not just you. You're an individual created in the image of God. 
That's not just for just anything. You're powerful. You're powerful. So I'm just going to leave it there today. Uh, more information will be coming up on the human trafficking and, um, and this whole series and kind of where I've been going with stewardship. I'm going to probably land that plane and maybe I think I can do it in two more Sundays. Um, but again, I hope, to, I hope the videos uh, went, went well with you guys. Um, I, I, they, just, they just charged me up. So now let's take an offering. <laughs> See, I didn't forget. I didn't. I even put it at the end and I didn't forget. And then while we're doing the offering, then whatever announcement. <coughs> Jesus, we thank you that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, that you said all authority has been given to me. So if all authority has been given to you, it means somebody else doesn't have it. And then you in turn have said, and now I give to you. So go and be. Be my children. Be my imagers. Be my voice on the earth. And I thank you, God. I thank you for, for all that you're doing, for all that's happening right now on planet Earth, that even in these places where still great horrors are taking place, the gospel is moving in their direction. Um, and there'll be a day when those places of turmoil will be set to rest in Jesus' name and for your glory.